92.7 WMAY. Springfield's News and Talk. Good afternoon. Welcome to the program. I cannot tell you how excited I am for our first guest this afternoon. In the age of Watergate, she was on the staff of the special prosecutor, Leon Jaworski, and in that role, she handled the cross-examination of the secretary to the president of the United States, Rosemary Woods, about that infamous 18-and-a-half-minute gap on the Watergate tapes. Well, of course, what we've seen in the last couple of years makes Watergate look almost quaint by comparison, but she has a unique perspective on all of this. She is an author, a podcaster, a much-sought-after legal analyst, and our guest this afternoon is Jill Weinbanks. Thank you so much for taking the time. It's great to have you here on the program. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, I really wanted to uh, to start by getting your thoughts on what we have seen in these last few months on the January 6th committee. Uh, multiple hearings, lots of witnesses, much more going on behind the scenes. What do you uh, think we have learned from this? And, and ultimately, will it will it make any difference in terms of the American people's perception of, of Donald Trump, his actions and what happens going forward? I think it will definitely make a difference to history. I think that there is a group of Americans who have totally bought into the disinformation, misinformation, the outright lies of Donald Trump and his top lieutenants and assisters in the Congress, and that nothing will bring facts into their brains. And... It's really a threat to democracy when facts no longer matter. So they have laid out facts, and the facts are from other Republicans. They haven't had Democratic witnesses. They've had Republican people who were top aides to Donald Trump in the White House. Those are the people who are telling the stories that show that he committed crimes, that he did all these things that have been alleged, And they're facts. There is no counter-narrative other than him saying, it's a lie, I didn't do that. That's not a fact. That's his opinion. And the facts are what has been laid out. And you have even got, in some cases, you have audio of a phone call, for example, saying, look, it's not a big deal, just find me. 11,970 votes, which is one more than I have, one more than I need, to win. That's, that's an absolute crime right there. You heard it live in his own voice. And no one's denying that it's him saying that. So we have seen a very compelling closing argument for why he's guilty. And no one who has an open mind could listen to the evidence and conclude otherwise. I want to come back to that point because it's really important. But as you noted, what we have on the other side is is Trump making lots of assertions very noisily at rallies and on his truth social, et cetera, none of which, of course, is under oath. But he has now been right. subpoenaed to testify. Do you think that will actually lead to Donald Trump raising his hand, taking the oath and testifying before this committee? I think that if he listens to any legal advice, he will not. Because the difference between lying to the public, to the newspapers, to the television stations, to rally goers, and the lying in a court paper or lying under oath to Congress or to a grand jury is that one is a crime and the other isn't. 
one is an impeachable offense and a crime, but it's not going to get him in trouble uh, if he just keeps on lying to the public. So I think that his saying the same things that he says to the rallies under oath is going to be a problem in the same way that the judge in California has said it is more probable than not that he has committed a crime, that he's committed perjury, that the executive privilege is waived because of that. It falls within the crime fraud exception. So I think the answer is he says he's going to do it, but that's just to make him look good. And then he's going to set conditions. He's going to say, and I have to just be able to say what I want to say and not answer any questions. <laughs> well, that's not exactly how it goes. You can't do that. We're talking but even if he only just talks, he's still going to lie. He will lie. He will be guilty of perjury. We're talking with Jill Weinbanks, uh, famous uh, part of the Watergate uh, prosecution team that ultimately uh, led to Richard Nixon's downfall. But again, uh, what we've seen here, and as you noted, there seems to be just ample evidence of crime after crime after crime. You've been inside the DOJ uh, in this situation, which is you know certainly highly unusual and highly sensitive. What's your sense of what's happening there right now? Are, are they trying to build a criminal case? How much are they wrapped up in this notion that we, we can't do anything while the midterms are approaching because it's too politically sensitive? Uh, what, what's going on in there right now? Well, there is a long-standing rule about not doing something that will influence an election. And, you know, that's less than two weeks away now. So uh, whatever's going to happen isn't going to happen in the next two weeks. But there is every evidence that the Department of Justice at the federal level, the Southern District of New York at the federal level, the New York State Attorney General at the state level, the Fulton County District Attorney at the Georgia state level are well underway with criminal cases. Um, the easiest case to bring right now would, of course, be for the theft of the documents. He wrongly removed federal documents that belong to the American people. They belong to journalists. They belong to historians. They belong to the people. And he took them with him. And now we're learning that he took highly classified information, that he took information that relates to Iran and China that could be, do severe damage to our national security. No person can get away with that. No one. You, if you did it, would be in jail immediately without bond. You'd be gone. And the fact that he's the former president doesn't give him any rights over what would happen to you. So it, that's an easy case to make. It, it, I think the Georgia case is also an, another easy yeah. one. Uh, the New York attorney general's case is an easy one. I mean, I think there's a lot going on and there is a criminal, uh, I'm sorry, a civil case going, I'm sorry, there is a criminal case going against the Trump organization right now, and that probably is going to lead to a conviction. And both of those cases, the New York Attorney General and the, that case, could end up dissolving Trump organization. He'd be out of business. 
Well, I agree with you that no one should be above the law, including a former president. But it is obviously unprecedented to be contemplating criminal charges of this nature against someone who once held that office. Do you have any concerns that at some point these prosecutors may just not have the, the courage, the intestinal fortitude to say we're going to do this thing that's unprecedented in American history and criminally charge this former president of the United States? Is that a, a concern at all? It is a concern. Um, it isn't unprecedented to consider it because in 1973, my office considered it. I urged very strongly that we indict, well, I, I urged even earlier, I urged that the sitting president, Richard Nixon, be indicted. And Leon Jaworski was adamant that that was not going to happen, that it was better to use the impeachment process. And so he agreed to allow us to put together a roadmap to impeachment of all the evidence we had gathered and to get court permission to reveal grand jury secret materials to the House Judiciary Committee for their use in an impeachment proceeding, which we did and which they used as part of passing three articles of impeachment. And it was those articles of impeachment that ended up leading to his resignation rather than stand trial on them. So we did consider it then, and then the day he resigned, I went back to Leon, as did other members of my team, I'm not the only one, and said, okay, you said you couldn't indict a sitting president because it could interfere with our government. He is a average citizen right now. He has no special rights or duties. He should be indicted along with the other people, and I worry that a jury will acquit his co-defendants because the top guy isn't part of it. And while we argued with Leon, President Ford pardoned him, and that ended the chances of indicting him. I think if we had done it and done it quickly, obviously the evidence was overwhelming against him, that he would have been convicted and we wouldn't be going through this question right now. And I urge prosecutors to not cave in and say, oh, this is unprecedented. It is, but so is his conduct. And if we don't want to see him, A, back in office, B, doing the same thing, or C, a Trump clone doing the same thing, we better stop it and hold him accountable. And that requires an indictment. One, not enough to hold him civilly liable. One big difference between then and now is that back then there were a lot of Republicans who would not stand with Richard Nixon and his conduct, who were outspoken uh, against him and critical of him. And some even went to him and said, it, it's time for you to go. And with uh, the two obvious exceptions on the January 6th committee, those Republicans seem to be in scarce, if not non-existent, supply today. How much uh, of a difference does that make in all of this? Because it really does heighten the, the political football nature of all of this. It, you're 100% correct. It is the big problem that we're having is that back in the 70s, we had bipartisan cooperation. Facts mattered. When we revealed what became known as the smoking gun tape in which you can hear Richard Nixon say, well, let's just use the FBI, the CIA to stop the FBI from investigating the money because the money trail would have showed that a campaign check was used by the burglars. They had $100 bills on their person when they were arrested in the DNC. 
and that those $100 bills came from cashing a campaign check. So it would have been clear the night of the arrest that the DNC was burglarized by people paid for by the Committee to Reelect the President, known as Creep. So when that was heard, Republicans went to Richard Nixon and said, we are going to vote to convict you in the Senate on the charges of impeachment that have been voted by the House. If you do not, or by at least the Judiciary Committee, if you do not resign, you will be convicted. That will never happen today. I don't know what's happened to Republicans. I don't know what's happened to members of Congress, to voters who voted for him. I get that you might like his policies. I don't, but that doesn't, I'm, I get how people do and what the debate is. There's no debate here. There's no truth here. They have just decided to ignore truth and reality. Back then, facts mattered. All of the newspapers had the same information. They may have debated, you know, I'm from Chicago. I went to school in Champaign. Um, I worked in in Springfield when I was the deputy attorney general of Illinois. And so I know Illinois. And I, I, I see the different newspapers and how they interpret policy differently. But they, in the back then, nobody debated facts. Everybody agreed on the facts. They just debated the consequences. Now we don't agree on the facts. If you talk to a Trumper, they say, well, the Democrats flipped votes. They had machines that cheated. And if you say to them, tell me one fact that supports that, they say, well, I just know it. And they can't give you a fact because there are none. There simply is nothing that supports that. You know, even among people who uh, still have faith in facts, it it seems to me at least like the outcry has been rather muted. And I don't know if it's because there's just so much volume of different offenses, different uh, alleged or evident crimes here, or if it's just we can't wrap our heads around the notion that somebody who was entrusted with the office of the presidency could have engaged in such egregious and dangerous misconduct. Uh, But how, how much does that play into this, do you think, that just the American people can't really seem to come to grips with the notion of, of this kind of criminality from someone who, who held that position? I don't... I, I, it's very hard to tell, but I obviously the majority of Americans believe that he has committed crimes. They see the evidence. They acknowledge the evidence. And if even the most ardent supporters of Donald Trump were on a jury, as happened in the Paul Manafort case, where a loyal Trumpist voted to convict him on all counts because she said, I was sworn as a witness, as a juror, to listen to the facts and to decide based on the facts, not based on that I like his policies, that I like him, that I trust him. And the evidence was clear that Paul Manafort was guilty on all counts. So if they were jurors with a sworn duty, I think they would pay attention to the facts. But I can't even honestly be sure of that. I'm not sure that they aren't so far gone that they just can't even hear the truth. And they aren't acknowledging it. That's a serious problem for democracy. And then you have all these election deniers who are running for office. If they are elected, we are in serious trouble because they're simply going to say, I don't care how you voted. I think you cheated. And I'm going to certify the results for a different candidate than you voted for. That's not America. That's not how we are. That's not, 
you know, your vote should count. And I worry very much that we're in jeopardy of losing democracy because of that. Jill Weinbanks, author, podcaster, legal analyst. Your book is called The Watergate Girl. And I, did I understand correctly? I saw you tweeting a, a little while back. It's being turned into a screenplay? It is. It's very exciting. I've been having discussions with uh, a screenwriter who is adapting it named Faden Papadopoulos, who uh, is working with Katie Holmes, who bought the, you know, who optioned the uh, book. And um, we've actually started working on adapting it into a movie, uh, which will be cover more than the book covers. It, it includes other parts of my life. Um, so it's very exciting. And they are both wonderful. I mean, I can't believe I'm meeting with movie stars and screenwriters. It's quite <laughs> Quite extraordinary. Well, I, I hope uh, it uh, does make it to the screen. I think it would give us all a lot of hope to see these uh, these battles being fought and won because we, we need some of that hope right now. Jill Weinbanks yeah. again. Thanks for your time. How do people find uh, find you online, find out more about your book well, or all your other activities? That's very easy. Um, I have a website, which is www.jillweinbanks.com. I'm on Twitter at Jill Weinbanks. I'm on uh, Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn, but um, and I respond more quickly on either through my website. There's a way to contact me, but also on Twitter. I I love engaging in conversations on Twitter, um, and then my podcasts are I love them. One is an interview platform, and tomorrow we are now doing on uh, Politicon's YouTube channel. We do live broadcasting, and this week's guest is Giselle Fetterman. Oh. And that should be really interesting because she's a very interesting woman who's been thrust into a completely new role because of her husband's stroke. Uh, she's been forced to take on a role she never, ever wanted. And I think it'll be interesting to talk to her. But we have had some of the most phenomenal guests. We just had Susan Glasser and Peter Baker, whose new book is out. Um, um, it, it's just been great. And then I have a podcast with three other MSNBC legal analysts, Barb McQuaid, Joyce Vance, and Kimberly Atkins-Store called Hashtag Sisters-in-Law <laughs> because we are all sisters in the law. And we challenge each other every week. We talk about three hot issues in the law, and then we also chit-chat about a bunch of other things. And uh, we have great listeners and, and listeners send in good questions. We love the question part. So, so it, those are really fun. 